0: quick recap of what we're studying and, and why we're studying this. This is uh, really the, uh, these, these nine characteristics and qualities that are uh, called the fruit of the Spirit. This is God's work in you, and, and most and, and most importantly, this is who God is. God wants to make you more like Him. So all of these things are, are really His characteristics first, and He's working that now in you through the Holy Spirit And it's a beautiful gift that we get to grow in these things and learn in these things. And today we're going to talk about faithfulness and and what that means. Uh, But before we do that, before we jump into the sermon today, I just want to take a moment to pray for us and to uh, just center this time on the Lord and just, just pray that God would speak to each and every one of you individually. So join me in prayer before we start today. Lord, we want to thank you for your great work in us. And and we can just see uh, the ways that we grow over the years, the way that you're you're growing these characteristics in us, the way I've seen it in in each and every one of the people here as well. And what a blessing that is. But God, I thank you first that these things describe you. And as we were talking about today, that, that all that matters first is that you are a faithful God and that you don't fail you don't lie, you don't give up, Uh, God, that you are consistent through the ages and that you uh, are are devoted to be working in us and and for us and through us. And so God, we just wanna take a moment today just to praise you and and glorify you for the wonderful and amazing God that you are a faithful God of all generations. But I pray in us, Lord, that you would speak to us today that we can grow in our faithfulness, Uh, Lord, that that we'd be people that are known as uh, ones of integrity uh, God, that we are people who, who are what uh, we, who you say we are, God. And so I just pray that we would grow in our faith of you today, and that would be tangible in all the areas of our life. But God, I just thank you for this. And, uh, and as we're praying, God, we do think about uh, the, just the tragedy that's hap- happened this last week in Burnsville uh, with the, the first responders and, and the shooting that happened there, and just the tragedy. All around, so we pray uh, for the funeral service that's coming up Wednesday at, at Grace Church. I pray for each and every one of those families that there would just be uh, your miraculous healing and hope that can be present and evident through all of that. And for many who may be attending who don't know you and, and don't know uh, who you are, God, I just pray for for that whole service and whoever will be speaking, uh, God, that that your truth will be made known uh, very clearly and evidently even in this time of brokenness. So we just pray for that, and we commit that time to you. Uh, but God, uh, again, we just pray for this time that we have together now, that you may be glorified, you may magnified in this place, uh, God that you speak to us now in, in your Holy Spirit. We pray these things now, in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, I do wanna have us all read this verse again, and, and we will be focusing on faithfulness today and talking All about what that means, but as we read this, if you're at the point of maybe having this memorized, uh, maybe try to challenge yourself to look away from the screen or to close your eyes or whatever it might be. Uh, If not, go ahead and and read the screen or read out of your Bible and Galatians 5, uh, verses 22 and 23. But let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today we're talking about faithfulness. And faithfulness, as has been defined already, uh, is this quality of kind of keeping this allegiance or this devotion, being consistent, trustworthy, dependable. Faithfulness is something we all kind of understand as a concept that it kind of works its way into our culture, right? And we understand when someone is faithful what that means, But, but what... Do you see, what do you, what do you see here? What is this called? This is Old Faithful, right? Some of you are saying, well, it's just a geyser. Well, yeah, the, the geyser of uh, Old Faithful in Yellowstone Park. And there's a story behind this of why it received its name, and, and, and I misunderstood what that meant as a kid. I was 10 years old when I went to Yellowstone Park uh, for the first time, and I was most excited to see Old Faithful because I saw a cartoon that had Old Faithful in it. And it was like this powerful rocket ship of a geyser like, that shot this cartoon into space. And so my, my perception of what Old Faithful was was like this big, powerful, impressive geyser. And so I had all this anticipation built up to go see it. And I was sitting, uh, this is not a picture of me, but I was sitting in that back row in that, that very same bench in the viewing area, uh, ahead of time, the half hour ahead of time when they're expecting it, with this full anticipation to see something magnificent. And this picture probably um, exaggerates what Old Faithful actually was, at least what I saw. Uh, what I saw was probably more uh, akin to like a garden hose being shot out of the ground, and, and a very short moment of kind of an express, uh, impressive explosion. But I realized then what faithfulness really meant. Faithfulness isn't something necessarily that's impressive. It's something that's just, consistent and dependable. Old Faithful got its name not because it's the best geyser in the park or the most impressive, but it's actually part of its own geothermal system in which it doesn't share with any other geyser, which makes it incredibly predictable. And when they named it that back in the 1930s, it it literally was almost on the hour, every hour Old Faithful would erupt. And so you could predict it. And even at the time I went, things have shifted and changed through the years where it's you know, 70 to 90-ish minutes. You don't know for sure, but it's still predictable enough that they can gather people in this area knowing it's going to happen soon. But that's what faithfulness should be for all of us. It's not necessarily this impressive thing that we become better than other people, but that we become the same person we were then as we are now. Consistent, reliable, dependable, Trustworthy, And so when you see faithfulness in kind of the middle of all of these other virtues, it really is by itself not as impressive as love and peace and goodness, at least from our own perspective. But faithfulness is this idea that we're doing all of these things consistently and dependably. See, faithfulness is not natural to us as people. And if you just scope through the Old Testament of virtually any part you see the people of God always struggling with faithfulness, that that's this hot and this cold pursuit of God. And even today, faithfulness for us as people, whether you know the Lord or not, is, is difficult. And I'm gonna ask this question without wanting anyone to answer because I don't want you to embarrass yourself now, but how many of you set a New Year's resolution this year? We're two months into it. How many of you are still going with your New Year's resolution? Statistically, only 8% of people actually finish their New Year's resolution, and most give up on it in a week or less. We all struggle with faithfulness. It's just who we are as people, And, and chances are someone's let you down, someone's lied to you, someone's broken a promise or not followed through on a commitment, and if you're honest, you've done that to someone else too, right, either knowingly or unknowingly, But all of life is really built on faithfulness. Marriage, family, friendships, communities, work, finances. We need to be faithful as people. And it's what God wants from all of us is that faithfulness. But most importantly, and the foundation of this all is is to know that God truly is the one that's faithful. And that's where we're going to start today. As we look at a few different scriptures uh, about the faithfulness first of God. And then I you open up to the middle of your Old Testament if you have your Bibles or on your phones or you're welcome to, to look along uh, on the screen here. Psalm 100 talks about this faithfulness of God, that, faith, that God is not faithful just for a moment or at times, so that he is faithful through all the ages. And another way of saying this is God, God is faithful to himself. Okay, And who he says he is is who he is. Who he was then is, is who he is now. In Psalm 100, verse five, it reads, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And another way of saying all generations here is like of all time, God is who he is and has never changed. God does not change, God does not fail. The God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament is the same as God is today. And and God's faithfulness does not depend on our faithfulness, right? And that's our condition to say we're going to be devoted to the person whom we consider worthy of our devotion. But God is devoted and faithful to all people for all time. He is faithful, So that's the major overarching point I want us to get here is is when you read through the Bible and you read through these stories of of God's faithfulness in the Old Testament and the New Testament of of the way he worked with Abraham and Israel and and the way he worked through the kings and the prophets, the way he, he worked in sending his son Jesus and through the disciples who became the apostles, who became the early church, like that God is the same God of today. You don't read these things and say that that's who God was. It's who God is. And he will never change and he will never fail in his own character. His faithfulness continues through all generations and that includes ours. The second point in the faithfulness of God, if you go back a bit, this is the fourth book of the Bible, uh, Numbers. A book we don't read often, but... It's this idea that God is faithful to his word, all right? So if God doesn't change, God doesn't fail, God also doesn't lie. And before we read this in Numbers 23, uh, specifically this verse uh, 19, I wanna give you a little bit of backstory of what this is, because this, this in itself is kind of a story of God's faithfulness. Uh, th- these are the words of Balaam, who was a prophet of the time. And, and Balaam was a really interesting story Okay, He himself was a prophet, a true prophet. God really spoke truth through him, but, but he was a pretty wicked man and, and very double-minded. And it's just this reminder that God can work through anyone, even, even the broken. But what happened is that a neighboring king of the Moabites, malach saw kind of how Israel easily defeated the Ammonites and all of these other uh, kingdoms, And now the Israelites are kind of closing in on the Moabites. And Balak calls the prophet Balaam, the guy who said this, and said, you know what? I don't like how uh, fierce Israel is looking. And it seems like you're kind of a person that what you say happens. So I want you to place a curse on Israel because they're very obviously blessed. And so Balaam said, interesting. Let me check with God on that. And God said, "Uh, no, (laughs) no, you can't place a curse on the people. And first of all, Balaam couldn't place a curse, only God could. But he said, I'm not going to curse the people that I've already blessed. I'm not going to go back on myself and back on my word. And so there's this moment where, where Balaam is going to see the king in kind of a way in the wrong heart to kind of get his reward from the king after God warned him of that. And he's riding his donkey to go see this King Malak. And and here we see this angel appear, which Balaam doesn't see the the angel, but the donkey does. He kind of veers off the side of the road and crushes his foot like on a wall. And so Balaam beats his donkey and the donkey keeps seeing this angel and tries to divert to finally, the donkey just collapses and refuses to go anywhere. And, And Balaam starts beating the donkey more. And then God speaks through the donkey to Balaam. And finally, Balaam kind of sees what's happening. So all of this happens before what we read here. And the whole point is Balaam isn't really seeing things clearly. He's like, yeah, God is speaking through you, Balaam, but he also just chose to speak through your donkey. So what does that kind of say about you? But these are true words of God through a very broken and, and wicked person. That Again, it's not our words that matter. It's God's words that matter. And what he's speaking here to the king of the Moabites is that God is not a human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. He, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? And so this whole story, we see this kind of beautiful juxtaposition of who people are, who Balaam is, this incredibly broken and wicked prophet, and, and who God is. But when God says something, he means it. He doesn't go back on his word and, and we all have been lied to by one another. We may have lied to someone else, it's it's just who we are, but God doesn't lie. He's faithful to his word. And when he says something, we can take it to the bank, so to speak. We know it is a guarantee. We have to rest in his promises because we know that he does not break them. And the true basis of faith is to understand and to believe that that God can do anything, right? That's the foundation of faith, that that God can truly do anything. But actually, there's a few things that God cannot do. Okay, He, he cannot change, he cannot sin, he cannot lie, he cannot help the Vikings win a Super Bowl. Now, that's not a biblical thing. That's just my own personal observation. But God cannot lie. That's one of the few things that that God cannot do. And so we have to look at his words through that lens, knowing that he is faithful to everything he says. That's that's really important when we think about our own faith is that we rest in the promises of God and we truly believe them. And, And so when you look at the Bible through that and look at all of the many promises that God gives to the Bible and you understand he cannot lie. What he says is what he means. You can look at his promise that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will be with us always to the very end of the age, which means... You never have to feel alone as a Christian. You know that he is with you through the thick and the thin and the difficult things of life. You read his promise that you don't have to be anxious or worry about things, that you can bring all things to him in prayer and then experience the peace of God that passes all understanding and guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So if you believe God and his word, you don't have to worry and you can experience peace through anything. God says that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but inherit eternal life. Right? One of the verses many of us probably learned in Sunday school when we were five. And so if you really believe that and you take God at his word, you know that there is eternity for anyone who has faith in Jesus. See, we live in a world that, that kind of tells you what you want to hear, what, what it thinks you should hear, but God tells you exactly what you need to hear. And so listen to that and believe it and know that God is a God of his word. He's faithful to what he says and he cannot lie. The last verse we're gonna look at as we look at this faithfulness of God is, is one that we already read this morning, we kind of go to the other side of your Bible now. About five books from the end is the book of 1 John. And this is uh, one of my favorite verses. It's one that I, I reference uh, pretty regularly. Because I, I do think it, it gives a lot of, of hope. And it's one that really is the pinnacle of God's faithfulness to us as people. Right? And you can talk about a lot of ways that God has been faithful to us. Faithful to people through time, that that he always provided everything that was needed to everyone biblically, right? At exactly the right moments. That he delivered his son Jesus at exactly the right time and, and that he is faithful. Jesus was, was faithful to us to go to the cross, even after much temptation not to. That's one thing I was gonna talk about today. When you think about the faithfulness of God, is that the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way just like we were. So if you've been tempted in in some way to to say something or do something or think something, Jesus was tempted exactly the same way. So you better believe that he was tempted to walk away from the cross and do what he did. And yet he was faithful to that. But then we see this go one step even further and and God's ultimate faithful to us in 1 John 1.9, that if... We confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And there's a lot of layers to this verse to really understand the full faithfulness of God here. But one thing I want to say here is there's one condition for our faithfulness laid out in this verse, and it's not if you committed a tiny sin. If you committed a sin that's not as bad as those other sins, if you only committed the sin one time, God will forgive you. This is speaking of any sin, of any kind, of any magnitude, right? You're not too far from God's forgiveness. He's, he's faithful to forgive you of whatever sin may be in your life. The condition here is that you must confess that sin before God. And the word confess doesn't mean just like admitting guilt or you know, just kind of saying something out loud, confess biblically means to agree with God. So if you agree with God about your sin, then he's gonna forgive you. And not only that, this is kind of one of those infomercial, infomercial moments of but, but wait, there's more. Not only does he forgive you, but he will cleanse you or purify you from all of the unrighteousness In your life, he's faithful not just to forgive, but then to to work in you through that. But it starts with confession. And this verse makes a lot of sense when you read the verses before and after it. Verse 8 says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, meaning God. And his word is not in us. And see, so we, we live in a culture that tries to kind of justify ourselves to live in pride of our sin or even in ignorance of our sin. And the reality is God told us that everyone has sinned. Okay? It doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a person. Join the club, right? Everyone has sinned. And when you agree with God that that's true, then you can experience his forgiveness. But if you say that you have not sinned, then you're you're making God out to be the liar here. There's provision, there's forgiveness for your sin in his son, Jesus Christ, who paid that penalty on the cross and wants to not only forgive you, but cleanse you. That's the ultimate faithfulness of God, that he didn't go halfway. He's not a God of good enough. He goes the full measure to not only save us, but to redeem us and reform us. God is a faithful God. And when he starts a work, he fully intends to complete it. And that's what he did on the cross for us. God does not quit. And he does not quit on you. And that brings us into really our faithfulness before God. It's kind of like, well, how do we match that? (laughs) Well, we don't. We don't. We can never be as faithful to God as God is to us, and that's something you just have to, to recognize and accept up front. But he wants to work in you, and he wants to grow your faithfulness. If you turn back a few pages, a few books into the to the book of Hebrew, chapter 11, we're going to start with the very first verse of what's known as the chapter of faith in, in Hebrews 11. And the, the idea we understand here in, in our faithfulness is that Faithfulness comes through faith, okay? And that seems kind of like maybe a a duh statement. The, the, The word faith really means full of, or faithfulness means full of faith, right? You can't be faithful without faith. But faith really is this kind of unwavering trust in God and in who he is and what he says. And knowing that faith is the basis of, all parts of the Christian life. It's the the basis of faithfulness as well. And here it's kind of defined for us in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's basically saying faith is this this confidence. You just know the things that haven't happened yet because we hope for the things that have not happened. So you believe in God, you believe in what he says, even if it isn't in front of you right now. And then you have confidence also, assurance about the things we cannot see. That there's more happening than what we understand and realize. And unfortunately, as I said, we're not often good at faith. And you just read through all of the Old and the New Testament and, and you see the people who, who even after seeing many miraculous things of God can instantly doubt and fall away from him. And there's a few people mentioned throughout this chapter. It's kind of the hall of fame of faith. If you read the whole chapter sometime, it's, it's highlighting all of these people that went before us that had the steadfast faith in God, though not perfect and made many mistakes, they, they remained faithful to God. By keeping their faith in him. You see, someone like Noah, who's highlighted, and God said, Noah, build an ark for all of the rain that's coming, the flood that's coming. And it's likely at this time that it had never rained once on earth. And Noah is being ridiculed by all of these people, right? And and he's doing this, he's going in faith, even when not everything is before him. What is said is going to happen didn't happen. Abraham was told to leave his hometown and go to a place that he doesn't even know, leave all of his family behind. And by the way, Abraham, you're gonna have a child with your wife, Sarah, who's almost 100. And he kept going in faith, though not perfectly he made mistakes, there was a faith that persisted. Moses was asked to stand before the most powerful person in the world with the most powerful and unbeatable army and say, let my people go. It takes a bit of faith to walk in that. And again, this whole chapter, it even mentions at the end, there's there's too many people to, to even mention here, but it exhibits the faithfulness of many before us. And we can only be devoted to God unless we fully believe in Him first. And that's where faith comes in to faithfulness. It's running the race in which you don't know where the finish line is. And you haven't seen the prize yet. But you keep going without giving up. Our faithfulness comes through our faith. Another angle of our faithfulness before God is is through our integrity. Okay, and I'm gonna have you flip back kind of in the middle of your Old Testament into Proverbs 11, verse 3. And this is speaking of that integrity here, which integrity is used kind of synonymously with faithfulness in this context. And it's written that the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The integrity or the faithfulness of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And what we understand here is that if you are faithful Christians, you are a consistent person, okay? Who you are here should be the same as who you are there, right? Who you are in public should be the same as who you are in private. But duplicity uh, really means kind of being doubled up in contradiction. So it's the same idea of being double-minded, being two-faced or speaking from both sides of your mouth, duplicity is gonna to lead towards destruction. And so faithful Christians are to be kind of these open books, right? What you see is what you get. There's no secrets, there's no skeletons in the closet. I'm not like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of person. And if you live in that way, it's it's going to guide you. And the word guide you is also meaning to protect you, it's gonna guide you away from destruction. So it begins even in your integrity of thoughts. In the book of 2 Corinthians, it talks about taking captive or or owning every thought in your mind and making it obedient to Jesus, right? Be be integral in your your thought life, the things you're not necessarily saying out loud, but then be integral in the things you say out loud. Both your conduct and your speech are part of your integrity. And in Titus 2, it says that we are to be a model of good works, that we should have integrity in our teaching dignity and have sound speech that cannot be condemned. And in this way, any opponent would be put to shame because they have nothing evil to say about you. Our words and our conduct are very important as Christians and, and crucial to our integrity or our faithfulness to God. And when you do that, you're protected. There's a story of Daniel. When he's in the Babylonian court, there's a lot of jealousy that's happening with Daniel, right? He's the dream guy, and he's getting really close with the king. And, and the, the other people in the court are trying to kind of like bring something up, throw some accusations at Daniel, and they tried everything, right? His conduct, his, his speech, what they think he thinks, and, and they're throwing all these accusations at him, and none of them stuck because Daniel was the type of person that was who he said he was. And many people that everybody that knew Daniel said, "Yeah, I hear what you're saying about him, but that's not what I've seen in him." And we have that guidance and that protection as Christians that accusations don't stick to us if we live with integrity. But it's said even more clear in Colossians three seventeen that whatever we do, and that's an all encompassing statement, that whatever we do, whether it's a word or deed, you do it in the name of Jesus. So, in other words, that's saying do it as a representative or an ambassador of Jesus. Let everything you do reflect the character and the person of Jesus. And that's a way we can live in faithfulness to God. And that integrity not only guides us, but it protects us as well. The last point I want to hit is uh, from a pretty well known parable. I'll have you open up there. Anyway, in Matthew 25, it's this idea that faithfulness comes through our devoted service to God. Matthew 25, that's the first book of your New Testament. And to understand this parable, this is the parable of the talents, which a lot of us know are the parable of the bags of gold. And this is kind of nestled in a group of parables in Matthew 24 and 25. That's really Jesus preparing his disciples. He's speaking just to his core of disciples here about the fact that he's going to be going to the cross. He's going to be, you know, he will resurrect, but then he will ascend to heaven and he'll be gone from them physically for a time, but he will come back. And, and that, again, God is faithful. We understand when he says he's going to come back, it means he is going to come back. And the reality is, uh, when we read through this, that we don't know the day and the hour. He could come back at any moment. And, and all of these parables are very similar, but this is basically saying, you know, if the master returns what are you gonna be found doing with what he gave you? And so we have kind of three main characters here or three main ideas. You have the master who obviously represents Jesus who went away for a time and, and he gave his, serma, his servants, um, three different servants, three different amounts of gold. One got five bags of gold, one got three bags of gold and the other got one bag of gold. And two of those servants were very faithful And what they were given, the five, I'm sorry, it's five, two, and one. So the five and the two talent people uh, were very faithful and they doubled up what they had. But the one bag of gold or the one talent person immediately buried it in the ground and just kind of did whatever until the master came back. So what you're seeing on the screen here is actually said twice to the first two servants. So... The master came back and saw that the one with five and the one with two doubled up that gold and put it to use and grew what they had been given. So his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, of course, none of this actually happened. This is just a parable. It's a teaching tool that Jesus gave. So you have to understand, what what does the bag of gold mean here? What does the talent mean? And this is simply whatever God has gifted you with or entrusted you with to work. That God has given every believer something in order to do work for the kingdom of God to help it multiply. And if you're faithful on that, he's, he's going to give you more because what we see is that, that those who are faithful with little were given much. But the unfaithful servant who did nothing just kind of made excuses when this, that master came back and said, You know, here's what you gave me exactly as you left it. And what that master did is give that to one of the other trustworthy servants. So we see that for all of us. God has gifted us and given us something to use and, and to put into service, not for ourselves. not not for this church, but for the kingdom of God. And the most valuable resource he gave you was the gospel, the gospel of reconciliation and grace and salvation. He gave that to you and he wants you to multiply that in the world. So what are you doing with it while the master is away? Are you being faithful with what he's given you? And it's the question that, that we're begged to ask of ourselves when we read this parable that the faithful immediately went to work and they made progress no matter how difficult it may be but the unfaithful immediately avoided the work and just made excuses when the master came back the faithful were commended made their master happy and even got to share in the happiness and the joy of their master but the unfaithful actually blamed the master and tried to give everything back to him and the master said get away from me You wicked evildoer. And immediately took away what he gave him and gave it to someone else. There's a few key takeaways when it comes to our faithfulness through service here. And the first is that that we as people, we as people of God, should not procrastinate and, and put off the work that he's given us because the master could come back at any moment. If God is calling you to do something today, today might be the last chance. We don't know how many days we have or how many days it is until Jesus comes back. We can't procrastinate in the work that he gives us. We also can't waste our opportunities. Okay, there are a million excuses in this world, but there may only be one person called to do a specific task for the kingdom. And it might be you. We understand that even though these Servants were giving different amounts of talents or gold or gifting or however you want to look at it. God had given them exactly everything they needed to be faithful in service to Him. And I think that's the trap we often fall into as we compare ourselves to one another, and, and God will gift people differently and in differing amounts. Okay? There's some of you who are terrified of speaking. He said, I don't know how Dominic can do that every week, but I also look at all of these prolific speakers and these wonderful minds and say, I, I could never do that. Right? And it's like that way in everything, there's always gonna be someone better than you, more equipped than you, who could probably do a better job than you. But the reality is no matter how much we're gifted, God gifted you exactly as he intended to for the work he's calling you to. All you have to do is be faithful in it. All you have to do is walk in obedience. And I saw this at play uh, this, this last week here, just a couple days ago. We had a funeral for our family, uh, for Mandy's family specifically. A really sad case where uh, her cousin were at their wedding this last June, and now eight months later, we're at, there's a funeral for her husband. And uh, Josh was... An amazing story. God was doing a a crazy good work in him where he kind of had a difficult life up to that point. He had been in and out of jail and struggled through various things. Both, Actually, he and his mom were in jail, and that's a point that's important to understand the story I'm sharing next. But I saw through this, this this cycle of faithfulness that happens. First, that, that God was faithful in Josh, and no matter how far he strayed and how many mistakes he made, Josh was radically changed by the gospel and on on fire for the Lord. And all he cared about up until the day he died was that other people knew Jesus. It was so clear in him. He died of a, a car accident, by the way. Completely tragic. But in the funeral, his mom, who again had a difficult life and made a lot of questionable choices, gave her life fully to the Lord just a number of months ago because of her son. So you had people who were faithful to share the gospel with Josh and and Josh was faithful to share the gospel with his mom who gave her life here. And she had a moment yesterday at the funeral where she stood up before everyone. And she's not an eloquent speaker. She's not a theologian. She didn't go to seminary. She maybe just barely knew a bit about the Bible. But she shared the importance of knowing Jesus and, and begged everyone in attendance, everyone watching, they consider where they were, to the Lord. And she led them in a prayer of salvation. When she was done, she sang a song, again, that talks about faithfulness, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. She started by saying, I'm not much of a singer. And she wasn't. Okay, from an earthly standpoint, she was bad. But from a spiritual standpoint, it was beautiful. And I will never hear a more beautiful rendition if I have decided to follow Jesus. She wasn't given much as compared to most. In fact, most of what she had was taken away. But there was no excuses. She served. She took advantage of the opportunity God gave her. And even if it was a little compared to most, she wanted to multiply that in the kingdom that's the point of this we don't know how much we have left we, we might complain that we don't have as much as others but God has given you enough to be faithful to him and whatever he's called you to do so we need to serve in a way that we hear well done my good and faithful servant when the master returns and we see him face to face I'm gonna invite the team up as we close in a song today because I kind of want to wrap up and conclude where we started this morning because any of us could come away from this message, including myself, and say, wow, I'm just really bad at faithfulness. Wow, I I just really let God down. And I don't want us to be there because the reality is no matter how faithful we are to God, God is more faithful to you. And that's what we need to walk in. That's the hope we have here today. There's one verse I want to end in, in in 2 Timothy. And this is Paul quoting uh, kind of a uh, a song or a poem of the day, 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 13, kind of talks about this faithfulness of God. He starts with, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And then it kind of switches tone here. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. That's that reality is if we, live a life, if we live a life that completely actually just disowns God, there is a point in which he will disown us. If you reject the son, you reject the Father. But even if we are faithless and we're not perfect, God still remains faithful. It's who He is, and it will not change. And he remains faithful to you. He remains faithful to forgive you and to purify you and to cleanse you. So no matter where you are before God right now, it doesn't change who God is. God is faithful. And that faithfulness is great. It does not change. His compassion, his mercy, his provision do not falter or fade. Let's stand together and close in song today.